show is sponsored by HiveMind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the HiveMind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings and of course to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at HiveMindCRM.io. So uh, this is our segment called Meet the High. We we interview a lot of our just our users because they're individuals, and we like it. We like expressing and showing the shot spotlight on other people inside of our realm, just because they they are people and they excel at their own things, and we like talking about that. So this is our segment called Meet the Hive. We appreciate you having having you on, Mike. It's been a long time coming for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it took some coordination, but we got it. <laughs> You're good. Hey, yeah, because uh, first of all, I want to get a little bit of context, Mike, because I've seen you post in the groups, man. Obviously, you're, you're in San Antonio, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just recognize like the San Antonio players and that kind of stuff. So I've been watching you and I always see you connected to people that are moving. And then I've seen some of your comments and some of your feedback. And then you commented on my post the other day. And I'm like, man, this guy's freaking intelligent. And <laughs> I like having these types of conversations, you know, uh, and I don't think that anybody's above anybody else. That's one thing about me is that I don't have a measuring stick that says like this person is more valuable than this person. And I guess that's because oh, yeah. of, again, of, of where I was before, but I do like talking to people that think at a different level. And I don't even want to say that it's a, you know, highly intellectual, but it's like, it's pretty cool that there's, there's those deeper thinkers out there that are still effective in life. You're not oh, yeah, sitting on sure. some side of a mountain, like a philosopher, you're actually out there <laughs> really doing shit like in, a, in a practical sense. Yeah, I mean- Believe it or not, there's a there's value in that, and everybody has their their role to play. But I'm just not one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, man, uh, I'm a, I'm like all business, and I'll do anything except work. I have no other hobby. <laughs> but um, I do like one of my dream vacations is I would like to go to like a freaking mountain in Tibet and just like fast and meditate for thirty days straight, dude. Swear to God, it's one of my like yeah. dream vacations. Yeah, I think the trick is to uh, monetize your hobbies. <laughs> I, I got a lot of hobbies too, um, mm-hmm. but um, uh, so not all of them monetized. But like with my consulting business, uh, one of the things I, I the services I offer through that is uh, like media consulting. So like mm-hmm. you know, I have my microphone, I got my headphones. I, I I'm a hobbyist musician, right? So I play guitar, bass. I'm picking up the violin. I got a drum kit behind me, but I'm the camera's all blurred so you can't see it but um like i i'm a musician right so i'll uh, i do um some like jingles for some companies right or i'll like uh, mix and master stuff for their uh, their podcast or you know whatever i'll do video work for them i'll do uh, editing stuff i'll shoot stuff uh, you know all kinds of stuff for media but that's like a hobby of mine that i kind of just do on the side and i'm passionate about and i got good enough at it that i could make money from it, you know, and it's not Boom. my main source, but it, it kind of like, it, it's, it's my justification for putting all the time and money into those things. You know, it's like, like if I'm going to spend this many hours on YouTube, learning how to do this shit, like I might as well get paid for it. Right. So the, the, that I do that with a lot of my hobbies. Yeah, that is, I, I think that's dope. And I guess that's my philosophy, philosophy for life is I, at one point I, I reached this like stage in my life where I really did crash my life down into nothing. It was like, I, they call it like the dark night of the soul. Uh-huh. And uh, I was jacked up, man. I didn't have a place to go. I lived on a couch surf for almost a year and uh, I was living with uh, with an old girlfriend and um, I was just like at a, at a weird spot in life. And I got on, I started doing research. This is the, I'm a researcher for whatever reason. I'm a scientist, I'm a mad scientist. We can go into like <laughs> nutrition, fitness, whatever, dude. Um, but I got into this like kick of studying, like how do you heal a broken person? Whether mm-hmm. that's like, like in your body, your brain, whatever it is, how do you fix a person when they're broken? And that's the only research I did for like three years. And so I'm like yeah. doing all these fasting, juice fasting, green juice, you know, water fasting for seven days. I went over 20 days twice on green juice. And so I started uh, meditating. 
like for hours on end, sometimes for like days on end, like I wasn't doing anything except like sleeping and meditating and maybe a little bit of light exercise or walking. Yeah. And uh, I reached into this like, man, it's funny because when I got there, the only thing I could think of it was like enlightenment. Like I felt like what the, like Jesus Christ or what the Buddha might feel like. And that's mm-hmm. not even, I, I bet somebody would hear this and say, well, that's kind of arrogant to say, but it's like you reach a state of such humility where you're like, you lose your self-importance and then you just you start <clears throat> to see the people around you you know, as like amazing creatures that are just trying to survive and exist like everybody else. So there is no place of judgment. And it's pretty cool that even coming out of that 10 years later, uh, I, I still kind of stayed stuck like that. And it, yeah. I kind of apply it to my business and my personal relationships and my friendships. And I just like, I don't want to create any more suffering for anybody ever again, because I don't imagine that people are pitted against each other, like in, you know, enemy versus like uh you know enemy or whatever i just think we're all on the same playing field and we're all just stumbling on our way through life so i like to think yeah, about it yeah. and talk about it and yeah i think at one point i thought i was going to be like a, a philosopher or like a i don't know some kind of healer as a business model <laughs> man because i was so interested in it like when i got myself out of my rut i'm like you know what there's no information for this online like you can't go to how to heal a broken person.com and yeah. uh yeah i just wanted did, to did, you, did you already buy that nft domain <laughs> i should right now <laughs> <laughs> and we're i think uh, i would like to i don't know it's already out there too. now we, we just talked about it someone probably bought it yeah somebody just <laughs> bought it four seconds ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i would like to have a little chat about nfts too man i don't know anything about it but i'm super curious and i'm studying like hell because it's not even about missing the boat I think it's just like, this is where the future aims now. So it's like driving a car. You better figure out how to drive pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you being so cool about it, man. When, when dad uh, was like, hey, we have a call. We rescheduled for today at seven. I'm like, bro, you never told me that. He's like, it's doing it at nine. I was like shoot, shoot me for nine. So it's kind of cool that you're yeah, still, yeah. you know, light in spirit. Some people. No, I, I get it, man. Like I, my schedule is always changing constantly. I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that like, I, I like having a rigorous schedule. But I also understand like when you're in business, like shit happens and you have, you have no control of it. Right. So you, you have to be a little bit flexible. Right. But I, I, I totally get it, man. I, I, it doesn't bother me, but you know, I like to connect. I like to uh, I'm a I'm a storyteller. I think everything is, a, is some kind of a story and we're either listening or we're telling. And, you know, everybody shares in, in one story, bigger, bigger, small. And, uh, and that, that, that just fascinates me, you know. Um, but yeah, to, to give a little bit of a background on myself, um, I'm from a really small town called Uvalde, Texas. Uh, it's about 80 miles uh, west of San Antonio. Um, graduated high school and moved out, out of state, went up north to uh, Brown University. Um, my formal education and background is in mechanical engineering and human biology. Uh, so I wanted to go down the route of uh, academia and research. I was doing research in biomechanics. Um, that just, you know, it, it still fascinates me. Uh, that's ultimately my long-term goal is to have a, a bio, uh, biomechanics company uh, building artificial limbs and organs. Uh, real estate at the moment is just kind of like my vehicle to get there so that I have a base of stability for me and my family. Um, it's also fun. I, I enjoy it. You know, I'm a analytical numbers guy. I mean, that's, uh, you don't go into make, uh, into engineering unless that's something you really enjoy, right? You know, the the numbers. Um, But after I graduated college, um, I was a lab manager uh, for about a year and a half. Um, My wife and I got married right after we uh, uh, graduated college. Uh, So she did her master's. We stayed in, uh, uh, she did her master's at A&M. So we lived in College Station for three years, and then we moved to San Antonio. And um, at the time, I I was having a really hard time finding a job because my double major, like I would apply to engineering companies and they would tell me, eh, you're a little bit more of a biologist than an engineer. And I would go to research companies and they're like, yeah, you're more of an engineer than a biologist. So I just had a really hard time finding work. And, you know, and this is the time where like the economic recovery from the great recession was just starting to come to pick up. It was just starting to get steam. So most of the research agencies and the jobs that were hiring were all grant funded and nobody was renewing grants because that's just what it was, right? And so I started my first business. Uh, well, technically my second. The first business I started was really for more uh, IP protection when I was in high school. But my first actual business uh, was in financial services. So I was doing 
I was securities licensed, so I was doing investments, you know, selling mutual funds, IRAs, 401ks, doing the rollovers, all that kind of stuff, setting up retirement funds, um, doing selling uh, life insurance, you know, basically everything that came with that that business, right? I failed at that two two or three times and rebuilt it every single time. And then when we moved to San Antonio, basically had nothing lined up. So I was starting from that and I just started to do um, my consulting business and consulting led me to a real estate investment company that had no idea what they were doing with their systems, had no idea how to retain uh, investor customers. And um, I, I built out their CRM for them. Um, it, was, it wasn't like pre-made out of the box, but it, they needed it customized for the way they operated. So I built it out for them. I learned the whole business model and the CEO was like, hey, you sell investments. Why don't you work for the company? I told him, I will only do that if you teach me about real estate because I have, I have no idea about real estate. So that was our, our relationship. Did that for about two years. Um, ended up leaving the company and it doesn't exist anymore. But after that, I kind of bounced around uh, doing small consulting gigs. And then um, last year, 2020, uh, Alex and I started our business at the beginning of the year. And um, throughout this whole time, I have other small businesses that I'm doing. I'm uh, like at one point I had a truck washing business with a partner out in Uvalde. Uh, we did that for a couple of months, made it very profitable, then sold it to another guy. Um, so we were in and out in a couple of months. Uh, so I kind of do that on the side, right? So um, I, I, I believe in having a diversified portfolio of anything that can produce income and anything that that can provide value. So whether that's uh, stocks, whether that's real estate, whether that's collectible items, uh, whether that's a whole ass business, uh, it, it, it interests me. You know, I, I just like to do those things and learn. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's everybody has a story, right? Every business has a story. And when you learn about those stories and you can apply that or learn something from it or tell those stories to other people, um, that's kind of how we all connect and share and interact, right? It's, it's, it's all stories in some way or another. Uh, for me, it I see it in the numbers, but for other people, it's you know, communication. And uh, that's, that's kind of how I got to where I am now, where I'm mostly doing real estate, just sold an ATM business, um, getting into new development stuff. Um, and, you know, just sky's the limit at this point. Wow, so, dude. So one, one thing I liked that you mentioned was you're, 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 do, you're like doing other businesses and hobbies, but real estate is the key to go and do whatever you want. I think a lot of people miss that because like, <clears throat> I need to start my dream business to make the impact. And I'm like, no, you might, you need to make money first. And real, yeah. estate, <laughs> real estate is a good vehicle to make a lot of money to do the things you want, because so a lot of us don't get a leg up to even do anything else. So like sometimes you have to do something just to get, get the money to do, to do the actual thing you want to do. So I think you have big, yeah, you know, and sometimes it's not even, it's not even the real estate itself. Like you may even have to have that extra step of right now. I just need a fucking job. You yeah. Know? Like, like I'm not going to knock anybody who takes up a job because they, they need it. You know, like that's perfectly fine if you got a part-time or full-time or two part-times, whatever. But if you're working on your business after hours and that's your goal, like, don't you know don't quit your job just because you you hear everybody else saying go all in right like i mean hey if if you're willing to take that kind of risk do it right it's all it's all good you know it's all on you but um you know just how real estate is a vehicle um you know a job can kind of bridge that gap until you can be self-sustaining to take on that that dream business that you've always wanted to do if that dream business happens to be real estate great if not you know more power to you (laughs) Yeah, man, I agree with you, bro. I'm a, I think I see people in, in real estate that start to get at these very high levels, right? And these, these, these are your notable characters that you start, start to see on everybody's interview on every podcast and that. And then next thing you know, they're doing something different. Like it's real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate. And then once they reach the black, black, triple black belt, then they're like, uh, you know what? I'm going to just go out and act in Hollywood. You know, they just do something completely different off the wall. Yeah. I've seen it over and over and over again. So I'm like, that's, I guess that's when real G's go to heaven, right? When you're a real estate <laughs> investor until like you get enough capital behind you. And then, like you said, you can kind of, now you can just move into whatever you want. So you mentioned something earlier, you said you were going to move into uh, artificial limbs or what was it? Yeah. Artificial limbs and organs, biomimetics. That's, that's kind of my passion. 
Wow, dude. How would you even pursue a career like that? I'm, I'm into this kind of like microbiology, also slash like, uh, you know, cybernetics and future AI, that kind of stuff. And I pay real close attention to it. So look, if you're going to even hop into that space, where do you go? How do you get started? Uh, first, you have to know where the market is. <laughs> that's uh, that's one of the important things. I don't uh, I don't think uh, wide market acceptance of certain technologies are there yet. Um, and I think I think maybe things like uh, hearing implants or you know artificial eyes to help people see better or regain vision, things like that. Those are probably more acceptable than um, you know like. You know, and I joke around about this with my wife because I have a bad back. I, I had a really bad Taekwondo injury when I was in college and um, uh, it, I now have sciatica. So I, I always have nerve pain in my back. And I, uh, when it flares up, I tell her, I can't wait for this business to take off because I'm ready to swap out my spine. You know, like I say it as a joke, but like that's also a reality. Like I want my business to be like that. Like, you know, if you have a serious injury or maybe you have some disability from birth, um, I want to be able to offer those opportunities to individuals like, Hey, if your arm doesn't work, let's swap it out. Let's get you a new one, you know, um, and be as close to, uh, an organic natural feeling, uh, you know, instrument as, as possible. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it's very complicated because you have once, once you're dealing with stuff that involves people and their health, uh, you know, the government kind of uh, take, keeps a close eye on you. Uh, so it's, it's pretty difficult. There's a lot of oversight. There's a lot of regulation. Um, uh, I think we have a lot of technologies that are available now and are currently on the market that uh, just aren't being utilized the best way possible. And that's kind of where, where I'm going to be taking the direction of, of that idea is, you know, what's available currently. I'm not going to have to reinvent the wheel. I'm just taking the, the systems, the applications, the concepts that we already know and draw on stuff that exists in nature um, and simplify it, but apply existing technologies to those uh, to those principles and let's make something work. You know, like the, the, the other aspect is, um, financially and economically, is it commercially viable? Because, I mean, you could you could create an entire artificial human body and swap out your brain, right? And you can, I don't know, live for fucking 200 years. <laughs> but how much is that going to cost? And who's willing to pay that? You know, that's, that's a, another huge factor with the market. Not only once they accept it, can they afford it? And what is that? Uh, that business model are you going to be like the premium supplier are you are you like the ferrari of uh, of prosthetics or are you going to be the walmart of prosthetics you know like there's there's a difference because you have to balance quality and quantity and pricing and to your end consumer and who who is that right so there's there's a lot of stuff to figure out and then on top of that you have to deal with government oversight and regulations and not just our government but you know everybody around the world has something to say about, you know, what these products and uh, are, are going to look like because, you know, yeah, let's face it, it's, it's going in someone's body and it's going to affect their health uh, for better or for worse. Dude, that's freaking amazing, bro. This is why I really like having these uh, meet the hives and these types of conversations because how would I have been able to like, I feel like I've known you for like 50 years already. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, that's super cool, man. Everything you said, I think I'm kind of obsessed in that space as well, because I think a lot about, um, they, they say the word is artificial intelligence, but I think that is a derogatory. So <laughs> I like, like to say computer intelligence, right? Because I wouldn't want to downplay any type of intel intelligence, no matter what. So to say it's artificial means like it sounds like it's like a lie, but um, I, know, I know what they mean by that, the way that it was created. Um, I think a lot about that in robotics, man. You know, I'll, I follow Elon Musk pretty closely. And yeah. what he's doing right now is going to say, if you want to move into that space, like I would try to get like a freaking, like a, how do you call that? Where you work somewhere for free for a while? Yeah, the, like, like an unpaid <laughs> internship. internship. Like an internship, yeah. I would be like, uh, do you mind if I work in the uh, Neuralink department for a couple of while? I'll just do it for free. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I think at this point, one of the one of the best moves would be to uh, you know develop uh, the core systems and then just sell that to to Neuralink, you know, um, and then be like a third party provider for all the peripherals that attach to that core network, um, yeah, or own the core together. network and the IP for that, and then 
uh, sell the plans or ideas or the concepts of the, all the peripherals and then, you know, rake in uh, the, uh, the royalties and stuff for any time someone uses that. I, th- I think what's crazy about the, I think where we're heading is technology advances so quickly. Like, like this may happen in our lifetime where, like you said, the organ- Oh, it will. <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> will. Do with it. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not we are part of that market is a different story. <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, it's just it, crazy it, the advancement of technology over the last like 15, 20 years. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think what's ahead of us, we don't even know exactly because I feel like there's, there's somebody working right now creating that as we speak. And that they're creating the future. Well, not not just people, but machines are too. I mean, we have uh, a lot of uh, uh, deep deep web dark uh, not dark web uh, deep web uh, thinking algorithms that are you know solving problems that would take uh, any team of people hundreds of years to figure out, and they're doing it in days and months. And you know that's where uh, the progression of of concepts, conceptually understanding things, uh, figuring out problems, uh, developing new technologies, and uh, the iterations that we're going through. A lot of that is being helped helped and sped up by artificial intelligence and these you know uh, deep learning systems. And those systems are going to get even better as we progress, and that'll just ex- exponentially increase the rate at which we develop these things. Hundred percent agree. Like right now, the only brain that we have, we we can only foresee so many years into the future. So we use those own like self-imposed limitations to figure what the rate of um, you know advancement is going to be. And right now, from where we're standing, we're like, oh yeah, that could be five years away or ten years away. But we're coming to a threshold right now, like you said, where hundred years of worth of information or data or problem solving can be knocked out like in an afternoon. So that's as fascinating as it is kind of terrifying. Like where the hell is this headed? You know? Yeah. Uh, So I think it's cool. I think it's going to affect every, every industry is going to fill it. It's going to permeate through everything. Um, If you look at like uh, even the, like the Neuralink, like they have to implant it with a robot. I mean, because that's how precise you got to be, right. You could mess somebody Mm -hmm. up, kill somebody. So if you're talking about like the precision, right. Of replacing a spinal cord, I feel like a robot will get to the stage where it could do it pretty effortlessly, like in an afternoon, like in like an outpatient surgery. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I always think about that all the time. As a matter of fact, um, I was just left that remodel, you know, after dark, that's why we had to push it back a little bit today. And uh, I'm driving home and I'm literally thinking about robotics. Like it's just (laughs) going through my mind. I'm just like, yeah, those robots are really going to freaking do that stuff. And it's going to be so easy. Like there'll be almost no mistakes. It'll be like self-learning. So every time it Mm -hmm. makes a mistake, it'll just never make it again. And so I think even surgery, right. And health is about to, hit a new stride that we've never seen before. So, yep. and you talked about like changing out a brain into a different uh, vessel, but I think it's going to be software, bro. I think they're just going to abandon the whole vessel and just upload you into a new one. So yeah. like, I don't think, they, I don't think they got to take the brain with you. You know, they're just going to just, they're just going to remove your programming and, and reinstall it. <laughs> yeah. At some point, probably we'll be, we'll all be living in the matrix. <laughs> dude, I, I feel like I almost, I'm going to tell you right now, dude, I don't know, like that simulation theory, and, you know, it gets kind of weird and all that. You can go down all these different rabbit holes, but I think they're already doing it. I think they can already upload somebody's software to a different <laughs> vessel. No doubt, because where we are with technology already, you know, you know, all this stuff, right? AI, it's like, it would be, it would, it's probably a pretty simple procedure, right? Because people are just, compu- we're computers, right? We're walking around inside of a piece of machinery. We have a central processing unit. We do algorithms, <clears throat> learn behaviors. So how hard would it be to remove that and then replicate it? somewhere else you know or at least like take it out of a drive and put it into another one to, to kind of cover to kind of cover this is that there's so much stuff going on i think japan sometime this week they said they they're they have the fastest download speed of 320 terabytes or something 350 yeah, terabytes per t- second t- terabits per second yeah terabytes per second and i'm stuck with 50 megabyte internet i'm like man something's going on somebody's gaslighting me <laughs> That's crazy though. So th- there's a lot, there's a lot of heavier backend technology out there that isn't even hit the market just because there's people that are testing it and make sure they perfect it before they push it out. Yeah. But I mean, like I said earlier, you know, the, uh, one of the two biggest factors is, um, is the market ready for it? The market acceptance. And then what is the economic limitations on market expectations? Like, 
yeah, you could release the, you know, 500 terabits per second internet speed, but how much is it going to cost? Like practically, like can everybody afford it in their home or on their phone? Like what kind of technological infrastructure do you need to, uh, as a nation to support that kind of download and upload speeds? And then, you know, what does that cost? Like, yeah, the great, that'd be great to have, but can we actually have it? <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's another <laughs> question. I think it goes through like the uh, the different chambers of time because anything can be moved in time. So if uh, the, the government wants to adopt it first because they can obviously afford it, right? When you can spend right. unlimited. And then like anything else over time, that speed becomes like, yeah, that was all right, you know, two or three years ago. And then it might become like commercially available because now it's not such a big deal anymore. And the newest and most expensive technology is again, housed for you know people that can make immediate ready use of it and, and also have no spending limit. Right. I think the same thing for uh, for prosthetics and robotics. Um, it, all of that's going to be subsidized, right? Because of the way to inject that amount of capital into any um, plan or project is just to to go to the government and say, "Hey, we're going to fix sick people. We're going to replace people that can't walk. You know, we're going to do all this crap, and then they'll just keep throwing money at you forever because it's going to be so." That's that's more uh, that's typical and what we would expect because that's just the way it's been done for ever basically but recently and this is like how like blockchain and bitcoin came about was you know the democratization of technology through open source um, and we're seeing that with uh prosthetics you know like there's there's uh, nonprofits that uh, design and build uh, prosthetics mostly like hands and leg uh, or feet right um, but they make them publicly available for anyone who has a 3D printer to download and print from your home. And then you can donate it to any local hospital or charity or whatever. Um, and it's all free. Like you, uh, you could go buy your own 3D printer and your own uh, filament, right? And you have the specs. And if someone in your local area uh, can't afford an artificial hand or a prosthetic limb, you know, you can print something basic and give it to them and it's free. And, you know, that's, that kind of goes around the whole, uh, you know, does my insurance cover it and who's the, the company that's going to provide it for me? I got to get a special fitting. And I mean, yeah, that stuff can still happen. But in the meantime, you know, the family's got to save up for it. Uh, they might have to make payments. They got to wait on insurance to approve it. Um, you know, and then is insurance going to cover it as like a medical necessity or cosmetic necessity? Like what's that going to look like and how is that going to uh, uh, affect the terms of of payment and like that person needs a hand like <laughs> what else are they going to do you know like and so nonprofits like this pop up and i think you know that stuff like that might might end up coming about where you know you might get free internet because you have all these people with these you know blockchain hotspots or whatever and uh you know they have the processing capability through a, a network configuration that they can provide faster download speeds and you may not even have to pay for it, you know, just pay for the electricity. Um, it's, you said, it's an interesting world out there. I have one of those mining hotspots. <laughs> I like looking at all that stuff, man. Yeah. No, and I, I agree with you. And I, I think that's because like the infrastructure that's been in place for too long, right? <clears throat> the, be it the global infrastructure or the banking system that's in place, it's an uh, antiquated system, right? So it's something that's like, you can't, there's really nothing that we can do with this thing anymore. It's gone as far as it's going to go. So I think you're going to see things like blockchain and, you know, peer-to-peer -peer exchanges starting to happen more. And, uh, you know, I just, it's like the old model is broken. And so I think you know, entrepreneurs and maybe even capitalism, you know, can kind of attack some of those challenges that if somebody's going to attack it, like you said, like, if you're not going to do it, we'll just do it for free, you know, with our resources yeah. and our time and our energy. And I love and, that. And like I, like I said earlier, too, you know, we were kind of joking about the philosopher on the mountain not doing anything. You know, like everybody has their role to play. And, you know, these these existing systems, you know, they've worked for hundreds of years, you know, yep, decades, you. centuries. You know, um, there's a reason why they work. You know, there's certain fundamentals that will always be true in certain environments, you know, whether that's business and life and personal philosophy and individual relationships and marriage, you know, whatever, there's certain fundamentals that are always constant and those don't change. Um, what, it, what does change is the environment and the people and the pieces of those, of that equation. Um, and so, you know, yeah, some of these systems 
they may be faulty, but they work to a certain degree and they have worked that way. And, you know, when it comes down to it, it's really about learning the rules and playing the game based on the rules. You know, my, my very first mentor told me, um, if you had all the best players in the NFL on your team, but you only ever played defense, you will, you won't ever win a game. And, uh, and his whole, his whole messaging was learn the rules of the game and you got to play the game the way the game is meant to be played. So you're going to have a period where you play defense, but you're going to have a period where you play offense, know what your what the rules are in, in what part of the game that you're playing so that you can maximize your effort and win. If all you're ever doing is holding the ball and, and hoping that the other team doesn't take it from you, you're never going to win. You're never going to score a point. Yeah. You might, you know, catch an interception here and there, but your, your hopes of winning are, are almost nothing. Yeah, I agree. So I'm one of those um, that I I don't try to go against the grain right by attacking it. I'm like, let's assimilate. So Daniel and myself, <laughs> mind. like we know that there's similar products. We know there's other masterminds out there. But the way that we view it again is that kind of the philosophy that we talked about in the beginning is that we don't have any competition. We could in one way or another, we can benefit every person out there no matter what. Right. So mm-hmm. even if we don't we don't have the same operations, we're not going after the same types of assets. You could send me a referral that I would never look at. You would never look at it and you know, vice versa. And those are the kinds of things that I do. So when I think about government systems, global systems of capital, you know, of course, it, it got us to where we are. You know, people get fed in some aspect when uh, um, money pulls like that and then somebody directs where it goes. But a lot of it is a misappropriated. So, oh, yeah, kind of sure. what I want to <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. fix that. I, I would like to fix the drip, fix the leak that's in the system and uh, try yeah. to move enough capital globally because I've been studying marketing for almost 15 years and I kind of see like how economies move and what shapes economies moving cash at scale what does it need to go into and I really mm-hmm. really think about that man so that's why I'm very interested in amassing large amounts of capital and I didn't use the word wealth because I never think about what I'm going to get for myself I just think uh, money uh, will be a byproduct if you can move enough capital at a high enough rate and that's mm-hmm. what I want to do man yeah I, w- I would like to work on like a global infrastructure and start taking on some humanitarian projects and just some crazy stuff, man. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to hit it. That's the funny part. It's not hopefuls. Like I'm like actually starting to do the research now and trying to figure yeah. out like, what would it look like launching something like that? Where would we start? You know, how would we figure out where it's most needed? Um, yep. you know, where you wouldn't have to go to war, you know, cause you're there setting up infrastructure, like those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to plan those things, you know, like uh, it's uh, it's not a reality until you start putting numbers to it. I think um, yeah. you know, if you, once you put a deadline and you work, your work a plan together, then you have something that's tangible, you know, but if you keep saying, uh, I hope, or I think, or I want, um, you know, that's, that's still dreaming. You know, that's not a goal. That's, that's, yeah. that's an intention. But, you know, when you put actions to the intention, that's when it becomes tangible. Um, whether or not you, it, it, uh, materializes that's a different story and you know if it materializes the way you thought it would or when you thought it would or how um yeah that's that's all part of the story right and like i said i'm i'm a storyteller and i, I like listening to stories and that's that's how i make my decisions and how i understand people and connect to people and um you know when i when i make my decisions uh business-wise um like good example was uh so alex my business partner um there's one day he just calls me out of the blue and he says, Hey, what do you think about ATMs? And I was like, no, what do you mean about ATMs? Like I, like I'm, I'm, I'm literally like driving right now. I'm not thinking about ATM machines. Like, what do you want me? Like, what are you, what are you saying? And he's like, yo, so I was trying to take out money from this ATM and they're charging me like, uh, like four bucks. And it's like, that's ridiculous. But I want to know like who gets paid that four bucks. Do you know, do you know how ATMs work? And I was like, no, but give me a day enough. I'll get back to you. So I did my research, you know, I went down that, that rabbit hole. I like, didn't sleep that night. And then, um, you know, I, I, I saw, I saw that there was an opportunity for uh, a lot of local San Antonio businesses that are cash only and they use ATMs all yeah. the time. Like it's, it's, it's a pretty straightforward business. It's not fancy it, or anything. And to me, that's attractive. You know, the, the, the ugly, boring businesses, that's what makes money because nobody looks at it. Nobody cares about it. Uh, like you're not raising eyebrows, but it's, it's so ingrained in everyday life. They're going to use it. And so it, it, that's why it's, it, it makes money. Right. 
So long story short, nine days later, we had the LLC, we had our first investor, we had our first location. Um, and then we grew that to, uh, to 13 locations in like four months. And then um, we whittled that down to nine locations. And then we kept that for a year and then sold the business. Um, because at this point, I feel like, well, for one, it was taking up a lot of my time. Um, you know, like it was, yes, it was producing and it was producing well, but if I wanted someone to take over for me, I had to pay them. And, and the, the rates for vault filling is, is, was not attractive for that business. Like we would be losing money, you know? So I was having to go and fill out a, fill up ATMs, which it's not a, not a, big deal right but at the end of the day when i'm trying to pick up an apartment complex or you know sell a couple of fix and flips and i got to go do walkthroughs but i also got to go fill atms it starts being very annoying um and then i also see the way that the market is moving in terms of you know the the inflation rate on cash the ability of people to take and use cash um, people actually starting to use ATMs to make Bitcoin transactions, which all of my ATMs could have done if I wanted them to. Um, and I started to see that um, the ATM business might might really work out for someone who has a lot of them. I wasn't one of those people. So I wanted to get out of that business as, as quickly as I could. You know, it was profitable. Uh, you know, we made some uh, some decent uh, small chunk of change. And then we just put that back into real estate because that's what we do, right? Um, but I wouldn't have been able to make those decisions if I didn't know how to tell or read those stories. The, the, the data, the way that people uh, go about their lives, that, you know, you just talk to somebody, right? Like, Hey, would, you know, where's the nearest ATM? Are they, are they going to know where that's at? Are they going to go to the cross the street to the gas station because it's cheaper? And if it is, well, then what's that mean for my business? That means one less person is going to use my ATM. So for me, I kind of just took information from everywhere, gathered up all those stories and then made a decision on based on that. Right. Um, so I, I think, Everybody has their story to tell, whether it's from the heart, whether it's from the numbers, there's a story there, right? And when you learn how to read stories and tell stories, um, I think it just makes life a whole lot easier and a lot more interesting. Dude, I feel like I could talk to you for about two hours. So we, we try to keep these to an hour, but I feel like I have like every time you talk, <laughs> I, want, I feel like I could like, yeah, let's talk about this now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, sure, go. <laughs> looks like we got about 18 minutes or so left, something like that, right, Daniel? Yeah, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, we can go over a little bit too. No biggie. If you if you have time, we appreciate it. Yeah, um, man, I'm all good. Awesome, dude. Uh, so I would like to touch NFTs before we hop off, but you know this is a real estate show, so or it's supposed to be. But of course, you know we, we kind of get lost in all kinds of other stuff, which I'm probably more interested in than real estate, like tonight. But um, can yeah. you? That's like uh, where are you headed in your real estate career right now? Like, what's next for you? And um, like, what are you planning? I heard you use now. You're saying apartments. So are you guys looking for houses right now? Kind of what niche are you in? And then what is it? What is it leading up to? Yeah, so let me, uh, I'll break down kind of the, the overall business uh, structure that I have with, with me and Alex. So like I said, I'm like very analytical. I've always been like the backend person for, for my businesses. Um, anytime I have a business partner, right? So I, uh, I've gotten to a point where I've had enough businesses and enough business partners. I know who will work well with me and who won't. So I'm very picky with, with those relationships. And um, Alex and I are a really strong complement on our skill sets. So what we've decided to do is he basically takes on all of the acquisitions. Oh, I just touched my mic. I don't know if that made any noise. But uh, so he does all of the acquisition stuff. Uh, and, and he does like all the, uh, he finds the land deals. He finds the fix and flips. He finds the mobile homes, mobile home parks, all of that stuff, right? Um, I oversee the disposition side. Um, and I... Uh, work a lot with um, our private investors, our private lenders, so that the ultimate goal of our business is we want to pick up for our portfolio with our investors. Whatever we don't pick up, we will wholesale out. And you know, if you have a deal that you need help wholesaling, we got buyers, we have private investors who will partner with us on deals. We'll take a look at it, right? So if, uh, if the numbers don't work for us, that's fine. If we have a buyer that it will work for, we'll try to match it for, for you guys, or we'll try to match our own deals to them. Um, but the other side of that is um, within the acquisition side of things, I look at a small business 
and apartments, multifamily. So I've, I'm a part of a couple of masterminds. I have a couple of mentors that I'm learning about how to do, uh, put together the syndication deals from the ground up. Um, I'm looking at, um, you know, building apartments from the ground up. Uh, we have a couple of partners who are willing to, uh, excuse me, finance earnest money to lock in a contract on apartment buildings so that we can either pick it up ourselves or do the syndication or just wholesale it, right? Uh, so I look at those at those side of the things because to be honest, they take a little bit more time, right? It's not as easy as just pulling up MLS and seeing what the comps say for ARV. So I let Alex do that because he moves with speed, man. If you want your deals moved, like talk to him. And, and I'm sure you, you guys know Alex, He's uh, he will be on your ass asking questions about stuff uh, so he can get things done. Uh, that's just the way he is. Um, I like that about him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not as harsh. I'm not as like charismatic and in your face about stuff, but I also, I get things done in my own way. Um, and we also look at, um, at businesses. So like if someone has a bar that, you know, they're trying to sell the real estate, but it just so happens to have a business associated to it. I deal with those because we, there's a lot of factors that got to be looked into. You know, we have to, uh, verify that there's no, uh, you know, lawsuit that's still going on or one that's pending or, you know, does someone file any kind of a litigation type of complaint is, that's recorded with the county or the city or the state? Um, are the licenses active? Were there licenses involved? Um, you know, where there's, is there a history of employment and employment issues? Like there's so many other questions you got to ask about that particular asset because it's not just real estate, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so we we kind of have that division of of work, right? So I take care of that aspect. Alex does that, and we kind of bring those two things together and 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 make deals work. Um, and starting next year, we're actually going to be doing new construction as well. So we are in the process of getting a uh, fully customized industrial three D printer to three D print houses on site, and uh, we hope to be the first ones in San Antonio to do that. Uh, our we already have land for our first project. We already got the plans. Uh, we just were waiting for the printer to get built and sent to us. And, um, you know, that we're hoping by April or May, our first project will be up and off the ground. And uh, and that's that's what we're doing right now with real estate. We want to go into that route, building new housing, uh, affordable housing, custom builds, um, mixed use commercial and residential uh, basically anything and everything um, that we can we can do new build we we can do with a three D printer, um, and that's that's kind of our focus right now for when when it comes to real estate. That's dope, man. Uh, you guys already ordered the printer. It's it's in the process. We got a lot of paperwork to fill out, but it's in the process. That that's is awesome. insane, dude. Yeah, I would like to take a look at how that works in the model. I was watching a, uh, not watching, I say watch YouTube, but if I ever, if you ever hear me say that, I mean, listening to it, because I don't watch the screen. I just like listen to it while I'm driving around. Or I'm yeah, same or something. yeah. Um, there's a guy freaking, uh, it's a startup and they're printing rockets, dude. Nice. Like to go, go to Mars. You know what I mean? Like these guys are, they're printing rockets right now and they're getting bigger. Like I think these, it builds them like in 20 foot sections. And yeah, um, yeah. Like, yeah they, so they, they could like build a rocket for like one fifth the cost and it's way more like stable and effective and all this crazy stuff. man. it's just really fascinating where the world's headed. So applying that to real estate, absolutely nuts. Like you'll build out a whole neighborhood like in an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have enough printers and with the, with the right, with the right conditions, um, it, it could be possible. Yeah. <laughs> that's nuts, man. No, uh, that's pretty cool, man. I would like to talk about that more. And uh, see yeah, for sure. Headed with that, yeah, super interested in that space. And uh, I've been in construction my whole life. I'm a licensed um, home builder and general contractor. I, I'm non-practicing, right? Unless it's for my own flips or anything. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. But so construction, and then especially with like that, like technology, that's always cool. I was looking at those hemp bricks too. That looks really, yeah. really interesting and you know stable. Yeah, we've been looking into that. Um, we've been looking into the the different mixes for hempcrete. Um, but the mm -hmm. the issue we have right now is uh, we have to. Uh, in order to use them, like with the 3D printer, right, they have to pass uh, certain uh, structural tests. And mm -hmm. right now they don't meet the qualifications or the criteria for being stable enough for uh, for load bearing in, in, mm -hmm. uh, in a structure. But you can use them for like interior walls and stuff. That's probably the best use because they're great at insulation. They're fire resistant, you know, water resistant. They don't uh, grow mold or mildew. Like there's a lot of advantages to them. 
um, but they won't support the structure uh, and at least not yet. So that's, that's something I'm looking at, you know, like I, I would definitely it once we can figure out that formulation, I'm going to be buying like a shit ton of land and growing my own hemp and to just like have that vertical integration, you know, process it myself, sell it to other companies, but, you know, just keep that cost down for the, the construction. Um, you know, it's definitely something I, I'm, I'm looking into. <laughs> Man, I told you, man, me, me and you are brothers from another mother. I really <laughs> had that vision. You know, I'm look right now, we're looking for like five to 10,000 acre ranches. And that's already like locked into my future. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have fields and fields and fields of hemp uh, because I believe in it, like for a sustainable future and that kind of stuff as well. And then I love land and I want to have tens of thousands of head of cattle. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm heading there, going there quick. Maybe it's going to be some kind of nanotechnology or something that makes those blocks stable. <laughs> you just put this coating on them and bam, they're harder than concrete. <laughs> yeah, could be. I mean, there's, a, there's plenty of polymer mixtures you can put into concrete itself. Um, and that's that's what provides rigidity and tensile strength um, that's, that, that allows you to not have to use rebar, but still have it be structurally stable. You know? Insane, man. That's dope. It's fun. <laughs> so let, let's just jump into the NFTs. We had, we had to talk about real estate because that's what it is. But then yeah. I jumped into the companies. I, back I, to I, the I, fun stuff. Back to the fun <laughs> stuff. That was the intermission. So yeah, NFTs. Uh, what, this space? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Uh, what are your thoughts on NFTs? Have you jumped in on it? No, I'm just... Dang. Uh, no, man, I, I'm getting a phone call. Uh, no I, I haven't yet i'm just watching still like i'm just kind of still trying to piece everything together from what i can tell it's going to be like like the title to a house but it's going to be a, a title to a uh, digital property and it can be transferred resold store value um, give you access like a vip card mm -hmm. uh, but so everything so everything to move into the metaverse is going to have some kind of like digital stamp and that's what I think it is. I think it's like the, the digitate, digitization of everything. I, th I think that's where it's headed. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just a dummy. I'm just listening to a bunch of yeah. YouTube so videos. it's it, yeah. You're it's basically like a title custody chain. You know, like you you track the official ownership of a specific digital asset. But more importantly, it's the smart contract that's associated to that digital asset. And who owns that? Because that contract uh, gives you all the benefits of whatever that thing is, right? So you might buy a, a picture, uh, you know, JPEG or whatever, but the smart contract allows you to have a lunch and learn with that artist once a year, right? Like anybody can just screenshot that JPEG from you, but you are the only person that has that lunch and learn with that artist, right? So there's, that's, that's the nuance, the specific of the NFT. However, I see the current market with all the same, every single, like if you, if you look at all the criteria of what happened with the dot-com bubble burst, same exact scenario that we're in right now with NFTs. Um, it's, it, it's gotten to a commercialization of attention, not commercialization of utility. So what we're seeing is that people are really excited about it because they're seeing the returns that they're getting on it without understanding why they're getting those returns on it. So we're having this influx of market capital going in using uh, the uh, all these cryptocurrencies, which have... I would say like 80% of them are trash. Um, you know, they're, they're basically just capitalizing on consumer sentiment, which is really the only half the equation of what makes the market, what drives the market. And, um, and if you don't understand the fundamentals, you're just guessing at that point, right? And so what I see happening is if there is a market correction, one of two things will happen. Um, people will dump all of their cryptocurrency because they don't have enough cash on hand to survive. You can't go to HEB and use Dogecoin to buy your groceries, right? So you're going to cash out and all of these fake cryptos and trash cryptos are going to tank. Everybody's going to freak out. It's going to be all over the news. Everybody's going to dump their crypto because they think every crypto is trash and they're going to lose their money. That's going to completely wipe out like 80, 90% of the crypto market. And then the people who really know what they're doing already know which cryptos are the best ones to be in or the appropriate ones to be in. And whoever has these NFTs are also going to do the same thing, freak out, try to cash out, dump all that stuff. All the valuations are going to drop just like they did with the dot-com bubble. 
Um, and then the other side of it is the people who see the utility and understand where the utility is are going to take their cash when that uh, contraction happens and they're going to dump it into the most utility, uh, the cryptocurrency with the most utility. Um, and that'll kind of stabilize a little bit of that drop off. But I think we're we're going to see a huge bubble and like we're seeing we're going to see that in real estate as well. Um, I don't know if real estate is going to precipitate the uh, contraction or if there's going to be something else that causes it and then real estate kind of trails it. I mean, typically real estate is a trailing indicator. So once you see the real estate market crash, you know you're in deep shit because everything else has already crashed before it. Um, real estate is usually the last asset um, asset class to really feel the, the the market when it contracts and also when it you know go, goes on an, up, an upswing. Um, but yeah, as, as long as far as NFTs go, I think it's super fascinating. I just don't think the utility is there yet. People just don't understand how to use it. Like just like in the dot com bubble, uh, internet was a new thing, right? It was this uh, this fad that was going to stick around for maybe five six years, but then you know, hey, everybody can start a their own website, and you know, it's it's just a static screen, but somehow it's making us money. So let's just go buy up all these domains, and then we had this huge ass bubble that came crashing down because nobody knew what they were. What they were doing there was no utility it was just a speculative market on domain names and that's what we're seeing right now with cryptos so one thing i like i, I people ask me about this every once in a while i'm like it's a money grab it's a money grab if 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 you're trying if you're trying to make some money it's a good opportunity for you but just know that you need to keep it in order and make sure you balance your risk because <clears throat> the bottom's going to fall out and when it does you got to make sure you're ready Mm-hmm. But I, I do see the utility of it, but I just see it as a money grab. Like, I think there's opportunity there. It's just leveraging, man, leveraging and managing your risk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now we're, uh, in terms of like identifying utility and what is actually going to stick around. I mean, we, we're basically in the same situation as with the dot-com, right? Who's better? AOL, Netscape, uh, Yahoo, Google. Like those are your four big contenders. Yep. And like almost nobody was going to bet that Google would win out. And they're the ones that did. So if you bet on any of those other uh, companies, like you would have lost. And we're in a a very similar situation. I mean, yeah, Bitcoin and Ethereum, they probably have the most utility. They're the biggest ones, the most well-known, but just, they were just like Yahoo and Netscape, right? Or AOL. Like there might be another player coming in that nobody is looking at, that nobody understands because, right now it's just everybody is buying crypto right like we we can't there really isn't a way to tell where the market's going to go we just have to keep an eye on it learn more about it and see where the utility is taking us because the way that people are going to use it may not be its intended use uh you know right like that's what's what we're going into the metaverse with right like the idea is the social currency not the utility of the currency so that's two very different things you know, if it becomes social currency, how does that play out? You know, because culturally, regionally, uh, based on the platform you're using, it's going to be different in every in all of those scenarios. So we just can't, we just don't know. It was right now, like you said, it's a money grab. You know, you're just hoping you get lucky and that uh, you you kick the can to someone else. Yeah, the greater fool theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, man, I think uh, we're I think where NFTs are currently. Um, like with the art stuff that I think that this is just the beginning right and maybe it is uh, oh, oversold yeah. oversold already overhyped right so I, I know the crash is coming to or the reset anyway but utility is, is in place now now it's like it's kind of woven into the fabric of society so I'm, I'm kind of I'm curious man I'm really really interested in this space like I'm probably more interested in this space than anything else right now and I think about blockchain I'm not a big time uh, bitcoin investor or nothing like that I did a lot of trading in 17, made a lot of money and, and got my ass whooped too uh, at, uh, back in when, it, when the reset happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at it again, but I'm looking at it now from a little bit more intellectually because we would like to create our own uh, token for HiveMind just so we could yeah. kind of exchange with each other. They could People can buy marketing and they could pay for subscriptions and even buy real estate from us using our own token, right? Um, so we're looking at, at that. And then um, NFTs, like, I'm just kind of curious. Like I said, like I feel like this is you know, blockchain 2.0, web 3.0. I know this is the very next step uh, for technology. I just haven't mm-hmm. been able to wrap my mind around uh, how to use it. So that's why I haven't spent the penny on it. 
I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of watching steadily. And uh, I know for sure it's going to be as disruptive as both the internet and blockchain. Like, oh yeah. Bitcoin. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I tell people all the time too, like uh, first rule of investing is do what you're comfortable with. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. doesn't have to, uh, you know, blow your socks off or anything, you know, do what you're comfortable with, you know, cause if you understand it, you're more inclined to, to study it. You're more inclined to be passionate about it. And you're going to put your money somewhere that, um, that your risk tolerance is okay with. So if you don't understand it, you know, that, that risk is on you. You you have to be comfortable with losing whatever you're putting into it. Um, But at the, at the very least do something you're comfortable with, you know? Um, And that maybe that just comes from (laughs) my experience and training as a securities licensed person selling, selling securities. But um, I, I think that's some of the best advice anybody can can have when it comes to investing. And it doesn't have to be fancy, right? Like, you know, just because it's NFT is all the craze, you know, it doesn't mean you got to put your money into it. You could still be in an index fund at like 50 bucks a month and still get some decent returns. You can still flip a house like real estate isn't going to go anywhere. Like people still need a place to live. You know, like there there are so many other things that you can do. Uh, no matter your price point. I mean, hell, at one point I was completely broke having to start a new business and I would walk down to the corner of, of, uh, you know, just down the street from my apartment to the Goodwill. I had 10 bucks with me. I would buy $10 worth of coffee mugs, flip them on eBay, take half of that money, go buy more coffee mugs, flip them on eBay. And I did that for like two months until I was able to build my business back and have some kind of income, right? Like you can, you can invest in anything and and flip it. You can make money off of anything. You can monetize it. You just got to be creative. Yeah. I think that circles back to what you said earlier. A nice hustle, by the way, but it it circles back to what you said earlier. It's like, do something that you love, right? Just do something that you're interested in. So I I I do that with guitars actually. So um, you 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 can't see it here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll buy them on like a offer up or Craigslist. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll look for them cheap. You know, like I, I, at this point, like I already know what I'm looking for because I've done it enough times and I've like stripped so many guitars. I have a shit ton of spare parts. So like, <laughs> I know I, I can see a guitar and be like, I have enough parts to fix that. And wow. I'll buy them for like 10, 15 bucks, you know, fix it up, paint it, you know, do some touch-ups here and there and I'll flip them for like 60, you know? And uh, I haven't done one in a while uh, just cause I, I haven't had the time. It, it, it is a little bit more time consuming. Um, but for me, that's more, that's a uh, definitely an investment of passion and I try to monetize it. Right. So, and I, I tell people too, like when you start looking at everything as an investment, the quality of what you're doing just gets so much better, you know, cause like you can invest in your health, you can invest in your spiritual relationship, you can invest in your mental health. Like for me playing music, like, yeah, I'm not going to go get money if I'm playing gigs. Right. Like I'm, I'm not that good. I'm, I'm decent, but for me, it's emotionally and mentally a very good exercise to do. It's very therapeutic for me. It's like meditating, right. Just, sitting down and playing guitar, I just noodling. I don't have to learn anything, just getting something out. Right. And for me, that that's a healing uh, moment. So I'm not making anything financially from it, but the investment in ROI on my mental health is substantial. And to me that matters. So when you look at everything as uh, how, what am I applying to it and what am I getting out of it as an investment like the quality of what you do, like your quality of your relationships, your, your alone time, your time with friends, your time in business and, you know, what you're doing with your money, like everything just kind of multiplies and you kind of understand it better. You respect it more, I think. No, I agree, man. It's, it's so funny. Every time I'm hearing you talking, I feel like I'm talking to myself. This is dope. (laughs) I feel like we've been friends for a really long time. (laughs) That's pretty cool, dude. I, I pay attention to that in life when you meet somebody and you're just like, man, that's so cool because you, everybody thinks that we're so very unique. And then every now and then you'll meet somebody where there's just so much overlap. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know who John Alexander is, the land mogul. And uh, uh, Name sounds familiar. I don't think I've met them, though. Yeah, he's a, he's a land investor from uh, Houston. And uh-huh. uh, we, we talk, started talking to each other on Clubhouse. And dude, everything he was saying, I was like, what the heck's happening here? And he, like, he's an older white man, you know, and here's a young Mexican guy. Or, and we're like, dude, <laughs> are you my father? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I, I really believe in that. 
you know, making whatever your passion is, your, your, your source of income, because then you feel like you're never working. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested in that. So he's like about the guitars and maybe it's not as profitable as you would want it to be, but it's like, it's something cool yeah. that you do and that you enjoy. So I, I have this, uh, I have a, a Beamer, like a pulse electromagnetic frequency. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I put it on people, man. I'm like, I had a bad back. I got a bad leg. Like today there's this guy at my house cleaning the tile, shampooing the tile. And uh, he was t- t- every time he would get up, dude, he was like in so much pain. I was like, dude, let me try something on you. I told my wife, like, hey, bring a Beamer. So <laughs> sure enough, here's a carpet guy laying on this device, dude, getting his back shot with magnetics, you know. Um, and I just, I'm just like it, man. I said, hey, if it works, call me tomorrow. Tell me it worked. I said, and then just come back and try it again whenever you want. And he's like, how much is it? How much is a session? I'm like, dude, I can charge you nothing, man. I just don't want your back to hurt. <laughs> it's like the zero profit game for me but it's something yeah. i really enjoy messing with and talking about and all that stuff and so that's so that's cool man. i think we need to make part two of this episode because I, I, like again i feel like it could have ran on for two hours <laughs> so usually towards the end we always ask um what is a quote that's either yours or somebody else's that you resonate with Jeez, i don't know i can't think of anything off the top of my head right now <laughs> Okay, well, I've got a supplemental one. So if you don't have a quote that you can think of that you resonate with, what's one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's brand new in business, uh, real estate? Like if you could just sum it all up, like in you know one or two sentences, you know, what would be your key piece of advice that you'd want to give to somebody who's brand new? Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. There's no stupid question. Just ask questions and go do it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love that one. I, I feel like, I might be the living version of that. Because when <laughs> I first got into real estate, I just started doing marketing because I know marketing for like 15 years. So I immediately started getting leads. And then I started just calling all of the gurus from San Antonio, you know, that I would see on Facebook and all that YouTube. And I just mm-hmm. started calling them like, hey, I have a lead. I heard you talking about sub two. I have a sub two lead. And then somebody else, hey, I heard you talking about mobile homes. I have a mobile home lead. So I would just like serve up the type of lead that I saw the person talking about. And then unlimited questions. What about this? What should I do about this? What do you think about that? So it's not just me calling them saying, hey, help me. It's me like, mm-hmm. hey, here's something in your hand. Now I got a thousand questions for you. And I didn't feel like a dummy, like just because I'm a new guy. I'm like, who cares? I got to learn this as quickly as possible. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like I've I mean, that's, how, that's how I got better at sales. You know, like I've always been a, doing an it. introvert and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm on the I'm on the spectrum somehow, somewhere. But um, like I... I, I've had to learn how to talk to people like I'm 33 and like 30 of those years I've spent learning, figuring out how people communicate because like some things just don't click with me. Right. Like I, I'm really bad with eye contact. Like that's just one thing I just, I've had to learn how to do. And I have to remind myself like, Oh yeah, people look at each other when they're talking. Um, <laughs> but when I, so that's why I'm like really good on the phones because I don't have to look at people. I don't have to worry about mannerisms and I can focus solely on like intonation. So I can like really study what am I saying? What are they saying? And because I don't, there's a lot of cues I just don't pick up on. I ask and it's like, I'm not doing it out of, uh, out of like disrespect or anything, but I really don't understand, you know, like, like, does this, you know, sir, does this, uh, property like look good for you and they they'll say yes or no and i'll ask okay why because i'm trying to understand how can i serve you better i don't want to like bring you shit deals every single time like what is what is the one thing about this that you like and what is the one thing you don't like and have that conversation you know because i i honestly don't know i mean if we're sitting face to face it's a little bit easier i can i can kind of pick up on body language or whatever but you know, um, I've had, I've had to learn how to communicate with people because I just, I don't communicate apparently like everybody else does. And, and I started doing questions because I, I just come across like, I genuinely care. I want to be a better person. I want you to be better for it. And how do I do that? So I got to ask questions, questions all the time. And, but the key thing is you got to listen to their answers. (laughs) You can't just ask questions and try to keep pushing you know uh and that's one of the things like alex and i are really good at when we train our people is um you know it it's you got two ears and one mouth because you got to listen twice as often as you speak and that's that's what we teach our people and you know when it comes to sales i know i'm not the greatest salesman but i get things done somehow and i think it's because i ask questions and i listen you know yeah dude 
you have a you have a powerful vibe so you're very engaging like i said you use uh uh big words or not big words but uh you're, you're very fluid in your speaking and, and you're, you're very good at articulating yourself so i think that's amazing. thank you it, it took us takes a lot of practice <laughs> yeah heck yeah man I, I, I can't wait to meet up and, and have a have some lunch with you and alec we've been trying to grab oh, for, sure. for like two months yeah uh, so <laughs> Yeah, it we, happens probably now after the holidays and looking like at mid January or something, but I would really like to get together, man. Chat definitely. Do yeah, this for sure. Again. Maybe we could bring Alex on here and have a five man jam session. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Something like that. So that would be cool, man. Uh, last thing in closing, uh, where can people find you to connect with you and uh, you know, those, those types of things? What, what channels are you on? Uh, Facebook is probably the best way. Uh, I'm on Instagram uh, mega multi mic or multi mic Q I think is my, my handle. Um, but yeah, those, those are probably the two best ways. Um, you can shoot me an email. Uh, my, the business I have with Alex is blue hedgehog LLC. Um, that's what we do all of our real estate through. So Mike at blue hedgehog LLC.com. That's, that's, you can email me there. Um, but yeah, that's probably the best way is, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook or Instagram. Amazing brother. We, we appreciate you hanging out with us, man. I really enjoyed this one. I mean, yeah, I appreciate you awesome. having me. Yeah. We could, I think we could, like I said, we could have easily took this one to two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so I like I talked a little too much, but it was fun. <laughs> no, that's what makes these really interesting. It's like I said, we, we can cover you know a month worth of information in an hour sometimes on these. So that's what me and yeah. Daniel like about doing these and then kind of get to know the people that are in the community. And that way, when we see an opportunity, we can give it to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you know what? I know just the guy and bang, because I already know you. I already talked to it freaking three days. Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. Awesome, so if man. you have... If you come across any off-market apartments, you know I'm looking. <laughs> okay. Guitars. Yeah, yeah. Or if you need help, if you need help repairing your guitar, let me know. I mean, or if you need, if you need it, it really depends. It depends on what's uh, what's going on with the guitar, because I, I can fix most things, but I'll I'll tell you if I can't. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, thank you, brother man. It was a blessing to hang out with you, and uh, we look forward to likewise. Likewise, have a good one. Thank you, brother. You too. Bye. The show is sponsored by The List Guys. Do you need more leads in your local or virtual market? One in 10 small businesses don't invest in any kind of marketing. The List Guys have over 35 plus list types to choose from and you can mix and match any list or criteria. We also use the skip trace list and provide up to seven numbers and email addresses. Every list you purchase will be scrubbed against previous purchases. The List Guys are here to save you time. Contact the List Guys today at www.1listguys.com. That's www.1listguys.com.